Welcome to More Than a Score, a sports medicine podcast produced by Epic Education and Consulting. My name is J.D. Boudreaux, the host of More Than a Score. Epic Education and Consulting remains committed to continually providing educational programs for healthcare professionals and community members that improve the safety of youth athletes. EPIC is an acronym that stands for Educating the Community, Protecting Our Athletes, Implementing Effective Policies, and Cultivating Collaborative Relationships. The goal of this podcast is to share information on various sports medicine issues to educate community members and athletic participants while also assisting sports medicine professionals with career progression. On today's episode, we will be discussing the importance of professional communication and the advancements made in the competitive cheerleading world. I would like to welcome today's guest to our podcast, Dr. Karen Lou Fearman. Thank you, JD. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I appreciate you taking the time out your busy schedule to come on and talk to some of our audience. Uh, I'd like to start off with just allowing you to provide a little brief introduction of yourself so everyone can get to know you a little better. Sure, thank you. Um, as JD said, my name is Karen Lou Fearman. I am a New Orleans native. I started in athletic training as a student at the University of Southwestern Louisiana long before it was ULL. I was a raging Cajun. And from there, I may have had too much fun and uh, landed myself back at the University of New Orleans and living at home where I was very fortunate to be mentored by Ray Burr and Debbie Knight and went on to uh, obtain my BOC certification. And from there, I earned my master's degree at Northeast Louisiana, now ULM, and had the opportunity um, to meet Gary Flop Lewis by chance in the athletic training room one day and uh, went on and landed a great job at Southeastern Louisiana University where I held many different positions from adjunct faculty and part-time athletic trainer to an instructor in the education program, a clinical coordinator, and then the program director of the athletic training education program at Southeastern Louisiana. From there, I went to the University of Miami where I was a clinical coordinator for five years and then to um, Monroe, uh, sorry, excuse me, to Mobile, another M. And um, in Mobile, I started working for Varsity Spirit full-time as the director of safety and what we know as Varsity University, our internal and external education brand. And then I have been teaching adjunct at both the University of West Florida and at Gannon University over the last couple of years. So that's my background in athletic training. I'm the proud new mom to my uh, six month old son, Harrison. Congratulations, congratulations on that to add to the family. And also like to start off by congratulating you on the uh, most distinguished athletic trainer award through the National Athletic Trainers Association. Uh, definitely well-deserved, so congratulations on that. Thank you, JD. It definitely seems like some of the schools earlier in your career, um, it seemed like they changed their original name after you left campus. Is that something that, that you take credit for or uh, is just something unique in your past with, with two of your schools changing names? I think we'll just say it's unique in my past, JD. We won't go too deep into my past, okay? Let's go, let's leave that alone. Sounds good, sounds good. Well, you definitely covered a lot about your education and clinical experiences. Uh, in the past, I want to kind of just touch on a little bit with your role with Varsity Spirit and uh, head of the education uh, department there. So if you can just uh, give us a, a brief overview of, of your role with Varsity Spirit and kind of what you do to educate the coaches uh, in the cheerleading realm. 
Sure. Currently, I serve as the Vice President of Varsity Camp Administration and Varsity University and the Director of Safety. And my role is to educate both internally and externally. The role that I've spent most recently is with coaches education. I am very proud to say between cheerleading, dance, and band, which are three different areas that we cover, we educate over 5,000 coaches a year in a formal education program and well over 20,000 in an informal education program. So it is up to me and the team that I work with, which are really a great group of individuals, a diverse background, where we cover injury prevention, progressions in cheerleading, wellness, mental health, concussions, cheerleading safety guidelines, you name it. That is what I do and what the role of the educator is within Varsity Spirit. Varsity Spirit supports education and really has made an effort recently with cheerleading rules and guidelines along with USA Cheer to ensure the safety of specifically cheerleaders and working with the National Federation of High School to ensure that the messaging is consistent and clear. Yes, and just talk a little bit about the, the progression of cheerleading. You know, it's, it's definitely uh, being seen as a competitive sport now. And uh, just speak on the, the growth of it uh, at the youth level and high school and collegiate level from your experience. Sure. I've been involved with cheerleading for 27 years. And when I first started, it was simple high school cheerleading. And now we're very fortunate that we have what we call rec cheerleading. We have youth cheerleading. We have high school sideline cheerleading, competitive cheerleading, college cheerleading. USA Cheer has introduced a new sport called Stunt that is a female only sport that has received preliminary recognition with the NCAA. So there's quite a bit of change within what cheerleading was once and what it is now and what it can be. The ultimate goal though with cheerleading, regardless of level and participation, is ensuring that we keep it safe, making sure that coaches are well-trained and aware of what athletes can and cannot do throughout the sport and activity. Definitely a growing sport and I know you're definitely part of educating the coaches and even the participants and staying safe during participation. We'd like to talk uh, to our guests on this podcast about their specialty treatment area or area of specialty and with you being an educator and a mentor you have kind of uh, taken on the, the role and responsibility of making sure everybody knows the importance of professional communication. Oftentimes see you on various social media channels, also heard you at uh, multiple uh, meetings and symposiums talking about professional communication. So for those of, for those in the audience that are looking to go into really any field, but uh, specifically sports medicine, just speak a little bit about the importance of developing proper communication skills. I think in a society where we've used social media and technology as our sole communication and really cut back on the in-person communication, which I honestly do not like. I'd rather have more in-person conversations and communications. We've started taking shortcuts. We've lost our formality. We've lost our professionalism. We've lost greetings and salutations. And it's time for us to really get back to our roots and understand that in order for us to be professionals as athletic trainers or anything within the sports medicine profession, be it physical therapists or even physicians, it's time for us to really try and regain the respect that we've lost. And the communication is the key in that. With that being said, I have to tell my favorite story. I've gotten emails that say, Dear Dr. Clue, because my email is klu 
I've gotten, hey, Karen, nope, I'm not out in the farm grazing or anything like that. So starting to think, or heaven forbid, the thumbs up emoji with okay, or texting your professor at 11 o'clock at night, or sending an email the next morning after a class that you've missed, it's time for us to really start to think on what's important and focus on professionalism. Definitely, definitely. And then just recently heard you talk about uh, the importance of understanding how to communicate with different uh, generations of individuals uh, at a recent symposium. And uh, just comment on how that influences how you, uh, how you educate your current students or how when you're looking at it from a varsity spirit standpoint, whether you're communicating um, the education to coaches or to younger athletes, how you may change your delivery method uh, to uh, influence the knowledge transfer. Sure. I have to be very honest. I always thought that people were going to listen to me, they're going to understand me, and it's going to be the way that I speak and the way that I communicate, and it's up to them to adapt. So those of you that are listening, start thinking about how you can adapt in order to meet the needs of those individuals that you're working with, that you're speaking to, that you're teaching. Trying to capture everybody's learning style, listening style, and communication style can be challenging, but really looking at the different age demographics and across the continuum is going to help you better be understood. So for you, understand, and then the individuals you're working with will have you in a position to be understood. So with that being said, I encourage you to look at the age. If it's someone that is Gen Z, so dealing from 1995 until now, you need to think about eight seconds. You have eight seconds to really capture their attention and make a difference. These individuals are more apt to communicate with several different devices as opposed to perhaps maybe Gen Y or perhaps the millennials. So trying to ensure that you are communicating with them, making sure that you're meeting their needs. Not everybody is technology driven. If I'm talking with individuals that might be my parents' age, I would rather use one style of communication very direct, not using slang or words they don't understand. And if I'm dealing with a younger generation, I'll use tone and terminology that is more geared to that generation. That's definitely, definitely some good advice uh, to how to deal with different generations that we may face uh, in our society. I want to move on. You mentioned many people at the beginning of your, the, uh, the podcast uh, in your background, but we want to look at some specific mentors in, in your life and in your career. So who has had the biggest influence on your professional and personal growth? JD, that's a tough question. If I have to pick just one person, because I always feel like I learn from so many people. I learn from my students. I learn from my colleagues. I learn from my friends. But if I had to name one mentor, my mentor would be Robert Doc Goodwin, who was the head athletic trainer at Southeastern Louisiana University for many, many years. Doc took a young 23-year-old, freshly certified, just earned a master's under his wing and said, come with me. I'm going to teach you all I know. And even back to using his typewriter and whiteout, he taught me everything he knew. And to this day, still mentors me in ways that I can't even list because I don't even realize sometimes when he just picks up the phone on a Wednesday at lunchtime to call and that he's still mentoring. You have a special story that you'd like to share with, with you and Doc Goodwin uh, in the past that, that really stands out? Oh my goodness, one special story. My favorite story about Doc is we had an athlete, a baseball player from Australia, 
and um, Gavin, who happens to still be a very dear friend of mine, his father would call just to check in with Doc and check in on his son and see how things were in Hammond. And any time that Frank called from Australia, Doc would scream on the telephone and he would say, Australia is calling, Australia is calling. And so it was so far away and really Doc had not had a whole lot of communication and calls from outside the United States, he thought he had to scream. So everyone in the athletic training facility knew at the time when Frank Fingelson was calling to speak with Doc. So that's probably one of my favorite stories. Great story there, great story. And kind of staying on the memorable moment theme, um, do you have a special moment in your sports medicine career working with a specific athlete or uh, a specific time uh, with a team that you look back on and is very memorable for you? Uh, from an athletic training standpoint? You know, I don't know that I have one exact moment or memory. I try not to classify my experiences by the worst injury or the worst happening or something. I try and take it all in and everything was such a great experience. Probably some of my most memorable experiences were with traveling at whether it was as a student at the University of New Orleans or Louisiana Monroe with women's basketball or perhaps at Southeastern with the variety of sports I've worked. But I think one of the things that really uh, always resonates with me was the time I spent with Varsity Spirit and with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and working as an athletic trainer with the performers in the parade and having that opportunity for 17 years to spend in New York and walk down the parade route with cheerleaders and dancers and being there for them, I think would probably be one of my favorite memories. And staying with that, you know, you talk about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. How um, <laughs> exciting, how memorable is it for you to bring up other people uh, in the sports medicine profession? I know you've had a big role in, in many young athletic training students getting involved with varsity and, and prolong <clears throat> getting started in their careers. Can you just speak to that of looking back on your time, how uh, that has impacted you and seeing the progression of, of various individuals? Sure. You know, JD, I have to be honest, you're one of those people that I met through varsity. I think we were at a track meet sitting around and just shooting the breeze. I was a young professional. You were finishing up your undergraduate career and never did I really realize we were forming a friendship and a collaboration and a mentorship. And um, to me, it just happens naturally, to be very honest. I just, I never sought out students. I think that they sought me out or gravitated toward me or I just had this personality and hope that I still do willing to help others and bring them along the way. Nothing makes me happier than to get a text message that says, how are you? Or do you remember me? Or I was thinking about you. Do you remember that one time? I hope they're good memories when people bring them up. There's a couple of memories that I'm not so proud of. One CETA event, we were at CETA with the student meeting in Atlanta, and um, I was waiting for the pizza to be delivered for all of the schools in Louisiana, and the pizza didn't come and didn't come, and it was getting closer and closer to quiz bowl time, and I was getting more and more upset, and I probably was very unprofessional, and to this day, there's one student that I continue to mentor that always reminds me about the Domino's pizza incident in Atlanta. While I'm not proud of it, hopefully they learn from me how not to act, um, but certainly being a mentor is something that's very important to me. Uh, when we look at the profession of athletic training, and we kind of touched on it with cheerleading as well, uh, there's a lot of things that are, are changing, but what excites you moving forward in the profession of athletic training? 
Wow, a lot excites me. You know, uh, the education part really excites me, moving to the master's degree and then all of the new skills and competencies that come along with it. Um, I'm excited about the strategic alliance in athletic training and all of the different agencies and organizations working together. I think there's just so much opportunity out there for us as a profession and it's time it's time for us to really determine who and what we are as athletic trainers and the impact that we can make yeah. and then <clears throat> moving on to the, the future and it's, it's <clears throat> difficult sometimes to ask this question but i like to ask it of many people um, talking about a legacy that you're going to leave behind uh, so I'll, i like to ask our guests when everything is is all said and done what do you want to be remembered for I want to be remembered for being a good advocate of athletic training, being a professional, being involved, being a volunteer. I also want to be remembered for helping students. I currently serve as one of three mentors for the Student Leadership Committee for the NATA. And to me, that is very important. So I'd like to be remembered for my involvement in helping students within the profession. Definitely, and definitely already been recognized for a lot of the things that you've done. We mentioned earlier, most distinguished athletic trainer for NATA, but also a uh, recent inductee into the Louisiana Athletic Trainers Hall of Fame. So definitely a lot of stuff that you've already done, but looking forward to a lot of uh, future things that you will do in the profession. Um, we, we're coming to the end of this, uh, this podcast, but I like to do a little lightning round question with people. And these are just quick one word, one phrase answers, and we can expand on them if we need to. Uh, but I like to just bring up categories so people can learn a little bit more about you. Um, so we'll just start off real quick. If I'll give you one chance to pass uh, if you need to, uh, to come back to it. But we'll start off with your favorite movie. So what's your favorite movie? I'm going to pass. Okay. You're going to pass on that one. Okay. What about your favorite sports team? The Saints. Okay. Go oh, who, uh, who that nation fan there. Good there. Who that nation. Do you have a favorite quote from that you often live by or follow? You know, do the right thing the first time. I like that. I like that. What about your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese. There you go. What about your favorite book? Um, or slash probably Rock, Rock, Rise and Walk by Dennis Bird. Okay. This is a little bit, you can expand on this one. Uh, the biggest issue facing youth athletes today. Lack of education. I feel like they're lacking education. They're lacking the support of good role models and good parental and coaching support. Okay. The biggest challenge facing athletic trainers today? Salary and career placement. Okay. And going back to your traveling, the best place to travel that, that you've either traveled or the best recommendation that you have for traveling to a location? Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. And I'll give you one more chance. Do you want to go back to your favorite movie or you want to just pass on that one? I'm going to elaborate on that, JD. I know nothing about television, movies, music. You know, I, I'm sorry. I mean, if you, I joke about it, but I think the last movie I saw in a theater was Blades of Glory. And when somebody asked me if I wanted to see Pitch Perfect, I thought it was a baseball movie. So I just, I don't have an answer. Gotcha. I'm the same way. Not a big movie fan. I know a lot of people out there are. So that's why we put it in the lightning round questions. Uh, but we'll take that answer and, and go with it. And as we come to a close, I just want to give an opportunity for you to share anything that um, we may have not covered or you want to expand on as we wrap up this episode, but also leave a calling card, uh, either some social media channels or email or anywhere where people can get in contact with you if, if they would like more information about you and your career. 
Sure. JD, first of all, I want to thank you and all of EPIC for bringing so many people together. What you have started and what you've done over the last five years is just tremendous and really focusing on youth sports. I think that that is an area where there is a large gap and people have not focused on it. So that is one thing that I want to say. And thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to share my background about professionalism and cheerleading and dance, because also in another underserved area. But if anybody's interested in learning more about cheerleading and dance, learning more about me, you can reach me at klew at varsity.com. You can look me up under Karen Lou Fearman on Facebook. I have a Twitter and an Instagram, but honestly, I don't use them quite a bit. I'm on LinkedIn, so I look forward to hearing from you. Don't hesitate to reach out. And JD, thank you so much for bringing this all together. Thank you for joining us today. I know you have a busy schedule, so I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks, JD. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of More Than a Score. As a company, we hope that you find this information valuable. If you are looking for more information about our company or specific initiatives, please visit epiceducationconsulting.com. If you have content ideas for our podcast or feedback of any kind, you can reach us at boudreaujd at gmail.com. If you found value from this episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified as new episodes release. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We would be extremely grateful for that as your reviews help encourage others to listen in. Remember, during sports participation, the health and safety of all participants should be an essential priority, making the outcome of the activity more than a school. We hope you join us for our next episode.